This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Brewers baseball and we bring in Adam McAlvey of MLB.com who covers the Brewers for us. Adam, thanks for joining the podcast. Let's talk a little Ryan Braun who we mentioned is seeing some time at first base during spring and he's seen a bunch of different plays which is exactly what the organization wants. How's he handling it and how have they evaluated him so far? Yeah, it's kind of like so far so good. Chris Hustle has been really careful to say, you know, let's just let him play the position and get experiences there and not necessarily make broad evaluations based on, as we talk, it's been 14 innings that he's played there. But the good thing is he's just seen a, a huge variety of plays in these first three games that he's done. He's had the normal you know, ground balls to him, throws in the dirt that he's had to handle. He's, uh, worked, he's taken double play turns, cut off and relay. They had a back pick the other day where the catcher, Jet Bandy, picked off Rajay Davis leaning too far off first base and Ryan Braun applied a kind of spun around and applied a nice tag. He's had a couple of really tough pop-ups over the mound. You know, it's all these little plays. It's nothing that's going to make the top 10, but it's these little plays that they want him to experience in a game setting to sort of have under his belt and feel comfortable when he goes out there knowing that he's, you know, he's experienced with what is potentially about to happen in the game. So they're trying to get him comfortable. It's, it looks like it's going to work. Um, and then it's just going to be up to Craig Council and David Stearns to decide what the domino is, you know, what the next domino is. So what does this mean for Jesus Aguilar, their backup first baseman, who's sort of in that Ryan Braun, the, the role that could potentially go to Ryan Braun? What do they do with him? How do they fit Ryan Braun into the outfield? Um, the idea still is Ryan Brown will primarily play the outfield. They just want to open him up to some first base when it makes sense. Um, the question just is how much is that going to be? And uh, we're, we just don't know the answer to that. And that's going to be something that they continue to debate as we get closer and closer to opening day, and Ryan Braun just continues to rack up these experiences. Adam, I was talking to Allison Footer, who is with the Brewers today in camp, and she was saying how extraordinary it is to see Christian Yelich there in the dugout and how great it is for him you know, to be on a squad that's going to contend. You had tweeted out a couple days ago that his slash line is 333, 444, 467 after 18 plate appearances this spring. What is he, you know, brought to this team, first of all, not only in the dugout, but, you know, when he does step into the box? Because a lot of people have been impressed about what they have seen from him this spring. Yeah, and look, it's small sample alerts, spring training alerts. Spring training stats can really mess you up. But I use them when they make sense for what I'm trying to convey. So I, I, I'm very selective about my use of them. In this case, it works because he's, he's been really good, and the key is he's hit the ball consistently hard. And I was talking to Lorenzo Cain the other day, and he said, you know, he knew that Chris Yelich was a good baseball player. Everybody knows that. But he didn't quite realize the power that Yelich had in his game. And after watching his BPs over the last few weeks, 
Um, Kane is really excited to see Christian Yelich swing the bat at Miller Park, which we saw last year for Travis Shaw and Eric Thames. You know, it can be a really, really good place for a left-handed hitter with power. He should see a jump in his power production um, just by getting away from Marlins Park and to Miller. And then that's on top of the things he does defensively and on the base paths. He, you know, the way Craig Council put it is pretty simple. He's just a really good all-around baseball player who's 26 years old and theoretically coming into his prime, like not even there in his prime yet. So those are the things that they're excited to add. Uh, to add. And why they gave up such a big haul to get him. I mean, that, that prospect package that they put together, starting with Lewis Brinson, um, the Brewers' top prospect, now the Marlins' top prospect, Monty Harrison, who I think is at number two now on the Marlins' list. They, they gave up a lot to get Yelich, but the idea was you're getting a player in his prime, he improves your pitching staff by the way he plays defense, um, and you have him for five years. So that's why they were willing to give up such a, a big package for him. What's the latest on Stephen Vogt? I know on Twitter I saw that he was babysitting Corey Knable's kid, but in terms of <laughs> yeah. what he's doing on the field, uh, what's the latest there? Well, you know, that's a very important task off the field. So that is his, was his primary focus on, uh, what was it, Monday night. That uh-huh. was nice. Uh, babysitting has been a story in Brewers' camp. Uh, our friends at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel did a story about Nate Orff, the minor league infielder who's in big league camp. He met his now-girlfriend babysitting for uh, a teammate, Eric Sogard. So I guess, you know, you babysit, you never know what sort of life change is going to happen for That's you. That's right, but you sign up. Vote, ba- baseball-wise, he is getting back in there as a DH. He's been out now a week with a, a, some soreness in his throwing shoulder. Remember, we talked about this, Alexa, I think right at the start of camp. Throwing was Stephen Vogt's, you know, focus all off season. He only threw out one out of 28 base runners last year after the Brewers picked him up. That was, you know, he had to improve that in order to make this team did all this weighted ball work, and now he comes down with a short, a sore shoulder. So did one lead to the other? We don't – who knows? Um, but this is where he stands. They're going to try to get him throwing again. But in the meantime, he can't swing the bat because that doesn't put strain on that shoulder. And he's going to try to stay sharp, and he's been doing everything else. He's been catching bullpens and then just kind of flipping the ball to their bullpen catcher to throw back to the mound. He's been staying engaged throughout this, this process. Um, He's got to win a spot on this team. He's a two-time All-Star and you know, great clubhouse guy. Everybody loves him. Um, but it's, it's vote or jet Bandy for that second catcher spot. Bandy is out of options. And the Brewers gave up Martin Maldonado to get Bandy from the Angels, and Maldonado went on and, and won the American League Gold Glove last year at catcher. So they gave, up, you know, they gave up a good player to get Jet Bandy, and it's not a given that they're just going to give up on him um, because Stephen Vogt's going to be the backup. So it's, it's a little competition there, and Vogt's got to get out, get throwing again so he can show sort of the fruits of all that work in the offseason. All right, let's talk about some prospects. And I know you're going to be writing some stories here coming out in the next week or so about some of these guys. But one that I was reading about who you did write about was Luis Ortiz. And you called him a big dude. Well, Craig Council called him a big dude, the 22-year-old pitching prospect. If he can stay healthy, what's his future? Well, it's bright. He was one of the other players that the Brewers got in the deal with Texas when they sent Jonathan Lucroy and Jeffress down to Texas and got Luis Brinson. They got two other minor leaguers, and one of them was Luis Ortiz. He was the Brewers' number one prospect for a little bit last year when Josh Hader graduated to the big leagues. Um, high ceiling guy, you know, good fastball. You know, the, the thing for him is going to be durability. He's not thrown 100 innings yet in the minor leagues. It's just a couple of minor league seasons. 
And he's a big dude, as Craig Council said. That's not going to change. Uh, Luis Ortiz said he's always been a big dude. He, it's something he has to really battle. He worked out the last bunch of off-seasons with Matt Garza. Uh, they're both Fresno area guys. Garza now didn't, didn't do that this off-season because he had shoulder surgery. So Luis Ortiz now, is, you know, he knows that conditioning is going to be a big part of the story of his professional career. And he said he actually has looked at some of the other big dudes who pitched in Major League Baseball. Bartolo Colon is one of them that's still going. Uh, David Wells was really effective as a big dude. And Luis Ortiz says, maybe I don't want to get that big, but you know, it shows that you can do it. And as Craig Council sort of says, good baseball players come in all shapes and sizes. So um, if he makes it, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be on the uh, big dude end of the spectrum. But they like him. He's a little bit, you know, he's a little bit further down the chain from some of their other pitching prospects. So they're going to give him time to develop. And like I said, the the, the goal in front of him, number one top 100 innings, be durable for a full season. And if he's able to do that, that's going to really help him him climb back up that ladder. Any other prospects that you're taking a look at? Yeah, you know, I've got all these stories I'm trying to get out before they start making cuts and sending these guys back to minor league camp. I'll say Jacob Nottingham, uh, their catching prospect, there's been always these questions about whether he's too big a dude to stick a catcher. For him, it's just he's just a big, tall, you know, built guy. And he looks more like a first baseman, um, but they have been really impressed with the way with, with the way he looks behind the plate as a receiver. He's getting real low. He's got soft hands. He looks like a, the way Council put it is just a really welcoming target for the pitcher. That's huge for him because his quickest path to the big leagues is if he can make it as a catcher. Um, that's a need in every organization. So that was. I think one of the real good early stories in camp is, is the progress that he's made. Um, and then I, I love Freddie Peralta, a pitching prospect for the Brewers. He's the only guy I've ever seen come into his first big league camp and circle the room, grab everybody's hand and look him in the eye and smile and say, hi, I'm Freddie Peralta. It was like a really funny scene on pitcher and catcher report day. Normally those guys are kind of head down, be seen and not heard. Uh, Freddie Peralta took a different approach. He's a little dude. But yet, he strikes everybody out. Uh, he led the organization in strikeouts last year. So he's a pitcher to watch. And Craig Council said that Freddie Peralta and another of their top pitching prospects, Corbin Burns, um, are players that they will consider for Major League help this season. Um, he thinks that they are at the level of their careers and at the level in the minor leagues, that they are just kind of de facto candidates if the Brewers have a need in midseason, that those would be among the names they would discuss. So it goes without saying for both Peralta and Corbin Burns, an important season ahead. Just, you know, do your work, get your innings in, stay healthy, and put yourself in a position to be in that conversation when the time comes. Adam, spring's a time for fans to get close to their favorite players. I know there's less of a wall put up between the two, and it's a lot of fun to see the interaction. How fun is it for you to watch Keon Broxton, first of all, not only dance in the dugout, but also his interaction with fans? Because this guy, he just seems like he is a ball of light. Yeah, he is, and you know what's really cool about that is he's in a tough spot right now. He was a 2020 guy. There were nine 2020 players in Major League Baseball last season. Mookie Betts was on that list. Mike Trout was on that list. Ben Intendi was on that list. And Keon Broxton was on that list. And here he comes into a camp looking like a long shot, a really long shot for the opening day roster because they went out and got Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. And instead of kind of being PO'd about it, he's – been very upbeat. Um, 
the, what he said at the beginning of camp was those guys are, have been better players in the big leagues than I have. So I need to just, you know, do what I can do and win a job. So he has really come in with a, a good attitude and in a tough situation that I think other players would have handled differently. And you're right, he is sort of one of those joyful players, uh, one of those guys that you need in the clubhouse. There was a story um, somewhere else that I saw that he's the candy man in the Brewers clubhouse, which as the candy man of the press box, I'm really excited about. He has just <laughs> Skittles and all sorts of other stuff, junk food in his uh, locker. So that sweet tooth maybe is a good metaphor for, you know, just kind of how he is as a guy. He's definitely on a sugar high all the time. Adam, what's your go-to candy? Oh, man. Well, the, uh, in, in southeastern Wisconsin, we have a thing called candy raisins, which are not chocolate-covered raisins. Okay. They're like these, they're like, you know, dots, gummy dots but they're brown, and they taste like – everyone debates what they taste like. Some people say they taste like perfume, but they're spectacular. I just gave a terrible description, <laughs> but they are awesome, and I grew up on them. So that's, uh, that's a good one for me. And then, you know, beyond that, like Swedish fish are sort of my weakness. Gummy stuff. Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. maybe the – We can um... talk about microwaving candy next time because I, that's a good trick to really get candy tasty. No, I like the hard gummies. The hard gummies are better. You leave them out, the air makes them hard, and then they're more like rock candy than the gooey gummy things. That is a good strategy. I like that. Be sweet or shush out on the counter for a couple of days. That's an age. It's like, you know, some people like what smoked, actually like smoked fish, dried fish. We just like dried gummy fish. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam. I'm thanks. hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> I know, me too. That's why I'm going to go eat. Uh, it's lunchtime here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We're going to have a brand new episode next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that here on MLB.com Extras, our Brewers edition. Thanks, Adam. All right, see ya.